Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Blessed be the name of the name above all names, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As you can tell, I still got a frog in my throat. I swallowed him. I wouldn't get out. But uh, we're going to, hopefully you'll understand me, and I beg your your patience. Uh, Youth class, you're dismissed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, and uh, have a good time in the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for coming to Midweek Bible Study. It's uh, post-Easter, post-resurrection celebration Wednesday. Amen, and we're still living in the afterglow of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every day, every day, not just Easter Sunday. Praise God. Uh, I want to uh, conclude our seven-part series on... uh, the basis of Christianity tonight with uh, the Christian lifestyle, the Christian lifestyle. And uh, that's a big word, amen. That's all-encompassing. Uh, and right away, people just think about holiness. Well, it is that, but it's more than that. And I want to basically deal with some basic parameters tonight that will give us the mindset for holiness and all that. Uh, and in fact, uh, in the next uh, few weeks, on iLife class, we will be teaching godly living, and that will uh, in detail address holiness again, particularly in the cross-training program. Uh, but tonight, I want to focus mostly on, on the basic general mindset and parameters concerning Christian lifestyle. And I want to bring your attention to 2 Corinthians 5.17. I think most everyone is familiar with the scripture, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, And he says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Aren't you glad about that? Amen. Amen. Let's pray one more time. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. For you said where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. And we believe you're here, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this word you've given us to strengthen us, to uh, encourage us, and to strengthen our faith, O Lord. And we pray that you help us to assimilate these words that we look at tonight from your holy book. And bless each and every one within the sound of my voice, both who are present here in this congregation and those who are listening from a great distance. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. The resurrection of Jesus is what gives us new life. It's that resurrection power, the new birth. Therefore, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, as we read, if any man be in Christ. Now, that is an incredible promise to anyone and everybody. It doesn't matter what class, what age. What's your background? It doesn't matter your gender, your race, nationality, or your level of intelligence. Anyone can be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Anybody can obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone can become a new creation in God. He's a new creature, he said. New, in fact, the literal meaning of that is a new created being. Creature and newly created being. So from a biblical perspective, we have to understand really even experientially that when we're born again, something radical has occurred on the inside of us. And many times that, that awareness and that understanding doesn't come until after you have walked with the Lord for a while. You begin to understand the ramifications, the expectations, the, uh, the demands that God makes on you, not because he's God, but because he's somebody you have entered into a relationship with. And every loving relationship makes demands on us. And so this new creation concept is, is something that isn't, readily right away realized but Paul here teaches about this principle of regeneration that Jesus changes them as the newcomer 
begins to walk by faith and walk with Jesus. Thus we see that the saved are not just forgiven, but they are now changed into a new creation. Now, I know it's unfair of us to expect someone who is uh, not living in Christ as though they were a, uh, a, a new creation. or It's unfair for us to expect them to act like and behave and live like a new creation when they're not. But at the same time, it would be unfair to expect a, a, a person who has been born again not to have a changed life. And that's why Paul writes in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, it, it, when he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A new mindset is created first to set the parameters for the changes to come. A new mindset. And that new mindset comes from the written word and from the preached word of God. So before any changes take place, there is the word of God that comes to us to shed light upon our lives, particularly beginning with our heart and our minds of what we think about and what we focus on. That's where the real change begins. But now being a new creation when you're born again doesn't mean that we're perfect. It means that we're changed at new birth and we will continue to change until our glorification when the trumpet sounds, right? A child when he's born... He will continue to change throughout his life until the day that he dies. And it's the same thing with us in the spiritual. From the time of our birth, we're going to continue to change into his image from glory to glory until that final step is made when the trumpet sounds. Uh, and so this work of transformation continues in this process where the Spirit of God continually confronts us. Through the word of God, it, it confronts our stubbornness. It confronts our stubborn wills. Somebody said, oh me or oh my. Amen. Hallelujah. It addresses sometimes our deep prejudices and biases. Spirit of God does that. And it, and it, and it addresses and confronts our ingrained love of sin. Because let's face it, before we came to God, we just loved having, you know, having sin in our lives. The parties, the immoral lifestyle, the, 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 the language we employed. Oh, yeah, we had a totally different lifestyle before coming to God. So God continually challenges that because that's so deeply ingrained in us. It's part of our sinful human nature. And it's not an easy task. Now you see what an incredible, incredible uh, uh, event it was for God to move into us and begin an incredible creation, a change in us like this. Some have said it's even a greater creation when God created the universe. Because he's coming inside of us and trying to redo things, rechange, and just, just, just confront us on every level. When we're used to doing things in a certain way and think a certain way and we used to enjoy certain things and, and we were so deeply ingrained and captured by it that God says he's going to come inside of us, going to change all that, change our thinking about that. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit of Almighty God to help us make those changes. You cannot make some of these, you know, uh, uh, foundational changes in your life and change your mindset 
without the Spirit of God. We need the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We don't have the power to do it ourselves. Amen. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with an open face, beholding as in a glass, meaning a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. By the Spirit of the Lord. What he's saying is, is we're holding, we're looking like you're looking in a mirror. We're not seeing ourselves, but, but, but we're, we're actually seeing a picture of Jesus when we hold up this book. This is really a mirror. And what it is, on one hand, it is revealing to us God himself who manifests himself in flesh. But really, it's also uh, a, a, a mirror where we can see ourselves and how we compare to the image of Christ versus our image. And as we see the image of Christ in this mirror, the Bible says it's the Spirit working in us to reshape us and recreate us into His image, into His likeness, not just uh, in a physical sense. In fact, not at all in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. Attitudes. Hallelujah. Actions, responses, and eventually glorification because his body was human and it was glorified. And we aim to arrive at the same destination. And we will as long as we continue on this, uh, this road of progress and process where he's changing us by his spirit. Hallelujah. So, in this process of recreation, God helps us to change our lifestyle, the Christian lifestyle. And, uh, and, and the Oxford living language definition of lifestyle is the way in which a person or group lives. <laughs> very, very profound. Hallelujah. The way in which a group or, or a person lives. And so when we talk about the Christian lifestyles uh, for people out in the world who have not come to the Lord and have experienced church life, uh, they have some, some preconceived ideas and some, some, well, misconceptions of what the Christian lifestyle is. And one of them is uh, that, that you're not allowed to do anything that's fun. So they don't want to come to church. Man, if I go to church, I, there's nothing I can do that's fun. Hallelujah. The idea is that Christianity is all about you know, obeying a strict set of rules. And that's it. And all you do as a Christian, you just go to church all the time, the second thing. And if I go to church, then, well, I won't have time for myself and I can't do whatever I want. So it infringes on your, your personal time and your independent will. Now, the truth is, there is an element of truth in both of these misconceptions. But the problem is, is that these are expressed in such a way that it really distorts the true lifestyle experienced by the one who's born again, who becomes a Christian. So we cannot look at the distortion. We've got to look at the biblical statements and the biblical idea from God's point of view, what a Christian lifestyle, a true Christian lifestyle is all about. And so when somebody becomes a born-again Christian, they should expect a change in their lifestyle. And they should expect it for several reasons. And one of them is that they have come under a new circle of influence. Paul explains this principle in Colossians 1.13, how God has delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. When you're born again, you come out from under the power of Satan, who was your previous taskmaster, and now you're surrendering yourself to Almighty God. And there's a change of rulers who has a say-so in what you do. So you're obviously going to 
expect, it's reasonable to expect changes because of that. And changes we do. Uh, the, the English Standard Version says this. I like what it says. For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Indeed, the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom, which is light. See, this, this, you make a transition from darkness to light, that demands changes. When you begin to see things and see things clearly you didn't see before, it's going to impact your judgment, your direction. It's going to impact everything you do and everything you say and every, everywhere you go, and it just impacts everything. You just can't expect to get the Holy Ghost and have a holy God living on inside of you and, and you know, God loosening you from the chains of sin and not expect any changes in your life. And so in, in this letter, uh, Paul compares uh, various ideas and philosophies and motivations of the material world and, and the teachings of this world and revelations and of, of, of the Christian lifestyle and, and leadership of Christ and how he leads us and guides us into all truth. And, and he says one is basically darkness and the other one is light. And so now since Christians live by a new and a different set of realities, then it changes our values and it's going to change our thinking and our behavior. And from now on, after the new birth, the primary influences upon a Christian becomes not the world as it used to be, but it's the words of Jesus Christ in the Bible. It's the encouragement of the church. And the Spirit of God himself, as he's actively working in our lives as we continue to walk with God. So why shouldn't there changes? Different set of, you know, we're not, it's not the world that is, that, that, whose values we're walking by anymore. It's godly values. And so uh, there's got to be changes. Now, Christians, new Christians also motivated by the Spirit of God and not motivated by self-interest. So not only is there uh, a, a change uh, in, in having a new influence and, uh, and, and influence upon your life, now you're also motivated by the Spirit of God into a different uh, uh, perspective. You're no longer self-oriented. And if you are, you're still immature. You are to become selfless instead of selfish. Before we're born again, um, most people are focused on self or what is most important to self. A society is, is, is filled with all kinds of programs, uh, books and experts and, and all these things. They promise to help us find ourselves and to become a better us. Uh, Show us how to be, you know, more healthy, beautiful, more secure financially. All these scientists and authors and all these big names. These commercials sometimes, you know, you see all these movie stars, football players, baseball players. They want to sell me gold, right? I'll tell you what to do with your money. I'll, I'll show you how to, how to protect your life assets. If you don't have any, it's another story. But everybody, they're selling not only in financial investment, uh, investments, but, but medicines, <laughs> life insurance policy. It's to protect you. It's to, to somehow help you. And, uh, it, you know, these healthy things, beautiful things. Oh, what was that? What was that movie star? Uh, uh, Dr. Doctor, the female doctor. Oh, Doctor Who? No, no, no. Doc, out in the West, you know, Doctor, huh? What is it? Not a medicine woman along that line is Doctor Quinn. That's what it is. Hallelujah. A while back, I, I've seen. Does anybody know Doctor Quinn? <laughs> 
So does anybody remember Dr. Quinn? Oh, okay. Phew. I thought I was by myself. I think I was really showing my age. <laughs> but I seen Dr. Quinn come out of the wild, wild west, and somewhere I seen our commercial, and she's selling beauty products. <laughs> See, if, if you're going to put this on, you're going to be as beautiful as me. That kind of thing. Uh, so you got all this going on, and, and, it's, and it's all to, to somehow benefit us, more successful, better parents, better athletes, better than our neighbor, better, better for our environment. <laughs> clean that. This is clean energy. You're going to help save the planet if you do this thing. But it's all about self. It's motivated. The focus is always on how to maximize our lives here on earth. You get the picture? All these things are coming at us from the world to maximize your time that you spend here on earth. It's how do we live our 70 to 90 years on this old ball of mud and make the best of it for us. Of course, the idea underlying all this self-motivated improvement is that this life is all there is. And there's nothing else beyond. So you might as well make the most of it. Enjoy yourself. Be the best that you can be. Hallelujah. Christians, now when, when you're saved and you begin to walk with God, you get a different mindset. You begin to see that there is another life beyond this one. And you begin to see that that life is, is, uh, is, is more valuable and more important to you than the 70 to 90 years you spend on this world, in this life. And you begin to see all of a sudden uh, a glimpse of eternity. And you're now not motivated by self, nor centered on self, but you're focused, amen, on something else. That's why Jesus said in John 15, 19, he says, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are none of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. You talk about a change. All you got to do is start going to the church and your friends, many of them turn away from you. Relatives the same way. Your drinking buddies. Your dope partying buddies. Your disco brother buddies. What do you call them? I don't know what you call them these days. What is it? Clubbing. There we go. Clubbing. Thank you. I got to keep up with the times. The activity and the thing is just the same, just a different name. Hallelujah. Clubbing. Yeah. Kind of think of a guy with a club, you know. But anyway, you know, who am I? <laughs> Jesus, help us. <laughs> but really, uh, Christians live in this material world, and, and we're all subject to the same challenges, the same problems, uh, the same experiences, common everybody else. But all of a sudden, our, motiva- our motivation is spiritual, not self-centered carnality. Our goals are spiritual. Our values are biblical. Our focus is much more on the life after this life is over on earth. There's a change. And so besides this change of focus, our object of worship is not self, but it's on the things important for rather Jesus Christ, the one who offers us eternal life. Our focus becomes him, not this temporal life. And so this difference in life center, in life objectives, is what creates this unique Christian lifestyle. Now, 
As Christians, the Bible exhorts us to put on Christ himself. Uh, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of ye have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. And the church, sometimes they may uh, appear to be an undue emphasis, maybe on outward dress and appearance. And it's rightly so. I mean, not undue emphasis, but that there has to be a certain amount of emphasis on that. But it begins with putting Christ on himself. We are to put Christ on himself on us. What, what the Bible is likening this to is, is sin being a garment, being dirty laundry. You know, when you've been out all day and, and, and you got messed up with oil and and farmland or whatever, you know, your business is. Or like when I used to go to uh, work as a supervisor in Midwest Rubber and Reclaiming Company, you go in the 1920s factory and you come back and you can't have help but have grit and dirt and smoke and all kinds of junk all over you. And you got, first you got to do is take off your clothes and put her in the washer because you look like, smell like tires. And that's the way it is with sin. And what, what, what the Bible is exhorting us to do is to take off, take off that, that dirty laundry of sinful behavior, sinful life, put it off you and put on Christ, the Christian lifestyle. The clean garment, the clean white robe. Of course, it begins with water baptism, right? But then when his spirit moves on inside of us, we get his holiness, we get his purity, his moral purity on the inside of us, and, and that wants to work itself out to their outward behavior and speech and actions and all those things. So th- th- this, 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 this concept of, of being baptized into Christ and putting on Christ is important in the Bible in more than just one book. And uh, so you read in Galatians and Ephesians and you read in Colossians. And uh, so, so God is developing this uh, Christian lifestyle of character, the character of Christ being formed in us and being developed and perfected on a daily basis. And this is why it's important to have this lifestyle day by day by day by day by day. This is why it's important to pray day by day, to read the Word of God day by day by day. Why? Because God is in the process of recreating us, and He wants to complete the work He started, and He does that through His Word and His Spirit, and with your with deferential yieldedness and agreement to work with Him. And this is why, again, some people are ahead of others and ahead of the schedule, not just because of when they started, but because they're more yielded sometimes. Some people have more stubborn wills than others do. Some people are still fighting, struggling with things that they should have had the victory over a long time ago. But what do we do? Throw them out? No. God forbid. God doesn't do that. He just... He says, come on, just keep on coming. I keep talking to you. I keep offering my spirit. I keep offering my help. And just, just come on. I'll lead you and guide you. Praise God. And one of these days, your will, your stubbornness will break. And you'll crumble at the most opportune time. When I see the opportune, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you and change you into what you ought to be. Aren't you glad God's patient with us? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. And so, again, we, we, as Christians, we face the same problems, same challenges, uh, same situation as anybody else, uh, except that we are not approaching those from a carnal but a spiritual mindset. And a spiritual mindset comes from knowing the Word of God. In any given situation, you know, Christians see things differently and they react differently as somebody in the world would. We would react in a way that Christ would react and not from a human carnal impulse. That's a big difference. That's a a change if you can do that. Conflicts and strife. I mean, that that happens in everybody's life, Christian or non-Christian, right? We we, we face conflict and strife. And, And 
among Christians too, we have it sometimes, but, but we don't resolve that by carnal exercise of duking it out, you know, with a power struggle, and, 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 but rather we, we, we seek peace and unity, and we, we exercise prayer, and we extend mercy, and we extend mercy, uh, forgiveness to somebody. That's, that's the Christ-like mindset. And so there has to be a change when we've been used to taking care of business ourselves. Mm. You disrespect me, come on. I'm going to take you on. <laughs> How did Jesus react? Did they disrespect him? Don't you know it? All you got to do is read the book. See? Got to read the book and see how Jesus handled it. And all things they said about him, and yet he didn't come out and challenge them. He was God in the flesh. He didn't even have to duke it out. He could have just sent an angel. He could have just said, hey, Gabe. Michael. Huh? Get this guy, you know. Boom, he, he gone her. But he didn't. And yet he had all the power. Yeah, everybody knows you might be stronger. You could win. But is that what God really wants out of the situation? What about love and mercy and forgiveness and compassion? So conflicts and strife, it happens to everybody. Energy expended on anxiety and stress and worry. We, we do that all the time. That's unfortunate sometimes we do it in a church too. But really, in a church, instead of being anxious and anxiety, we, 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 I can, we can holy, holy go sanctified and call it concern. And, and it, it sounds good, really. And, and if you're concerned, that's okay. Uh, it, it doesn't seem to really violate the term of, of, of you know, that peace um, that, that you ought to maintain in every situation. But anxiety it, it is, is so much an extreme that it is, is really a carnal response. But concern on the side of the Christian is, is less intense. And it's less intense because they've got some wisdom from the Word and understand from Romans 8, 28 that, you know, God's in control and all things work for the good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. The world out there doesn't know that, but we do. So we got a different attitude here uh, on, on some of the same problems that they experience, but we deal with it differently. Or we should. Focus prayer and trust in God. I don't understand why it happened, but you know what? It happened, and I don't know, and God don't have to tell me? I'd love to know. Just ask Job. He'd love, he would love to have known what was going on in the conversation between him and the devil. He wasn't partying privy to it. God didn't tell him about it. And here he is suffering and putting up, losing children, house, lands, gold, silver, almost lost his wife, almost lost his, his life as far as he was going. He didn't know he, was gonna, he wasn't going to die. I know my Redeemer liveth. I'm going to trust him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hey, we're different. We're born again. We're Christians. We're children of the king. We're translated from the, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We see things differently, do things differently. Hallelujah. We have different promises too. Praise God. But trials, tribulation, and temptations, all of a Romans 8, 28, hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, a Christian understands that these are by God's, these are God's ways are testing us. Testing our faith, testing our faithfulness, testing our stick to Is that a word? <laughs> a stick to I can't hardly say it the second time. I could probably say it in Hungarian. No. Not, but our hope and, and, and patience and, and faith is tested by these trials and tribulations. So we understand, well, this is just God's way of, of just testing me and making me better. Uh, and, and failure 
and sin, unfortunately, sometimes we have to face it. And it's not as excused behavior by the Christian or the church. It's not excused. But we are taught to judge ourselves and quickly repent and plead the blood and get up off the ground and start walking back with God again. Hallelujah. For He is slow to anger. He is merciful. He said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Amen. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God. We can ask God for help immediately and ask him to help us avoid that same sin in the future. And finally, we don't fear death like the world does. At least I hope we don't. We have to come to that realization that for us, death is not final. The, the, the people in the world who are not born again, who don't know God, who don't have this born again experience, they think this life is it. And when you're gone, you're gone, and there's nothing more for you. And they feel a, a tremendous amount of anxiety and fear for losing this life. I know people. But the reality is for you and I that we know that we're not, we're not losing anything in death. In, in essence, when we die, we're just going to sleep, as the Bible says. I don't worry about waking up tomorrow morning by going to bed tonight. I know, Brother, Brother Doug, when I go to bed tonight, I'm pretty confident when I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning, I'm going to get my cup of coffee, get my mojo, hallelujah, and get going into the day. I don't worry about it. And in the same way, we shouldn't worry about dying. Oh, I'm going to die. Okay. Hallelujah. I'll be with Jesus tomorrow. Mm, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're not losing anything. We are not really going from life to death. We're going from life to life. You go to bed at night. You, you know, you, you don't think of sleep as something final. You say, you know, I'm going from life to life. The sleep is just what's between today's life and tomorrow's life. And death is the same way. It's like sleep. It's just the, 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 the interval between this life and that life. And that's the way the Christians who are born again see. And these are really, more than anything, attitudes. Attitudes of faith. Attitudes and approaches to, to life experiences uh, that everybody uh, goes through, but our attitudes are different than the world. And it makes a huge difference for us. And so these new attitudes, these new goals, and these new motivations create this daily lifestyle that's much more different than of those who, who have not believed and not devoted their lives to Jesus Christ. So you see, you, you should not compare yourself in any way to somebody who's living in the world, living a sinful lifestyle. You cannot envy them. You cannot try to emulate them. Don't do that. Look at the Word of God. Look at Jesus. Look at successful Christians. Because the way these people walk are the way that they inherit eternal life. And that's what we put the greatest value on. Not on this life. It's the life to come. These new attitudes, these new goals and new motivations that help us with our daily lifestyle. And I know many times uh, you can discover uh, who the Christians are simply by the way they live, right? And the way they treat other people and how they deal with, with different problems on, on this earth. And I think this is a great area of witness. When you're on the job or with other members of your friendship circle and, and family even who not yet uh, giving their life to God, when they watch your life and how you, how you deal with certain challenges and problems and how you treat people under pressure make a huge impact in a testimony and witness in reaching them. And when you observe or, or you live by this Christian lifestyle, you just, you actually, people are seeing Christ himself living and acting out his life through you. And that's what this Christian lifestyle is supposed to be. This is why the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 3, 2, ye are our epistle 
written in our hearts, known and read of all men. We preach the gospel to you, and whatever we preached and taught is in your life, and now people are reading you, what you've assimilated. They are reading your lifestyle, and your lifestyle is preaching to them what we said to you, which is the gospel. So there's a change in the lifestyle of a person when, when somebody becomes a Christian because, one, uh, they're filled with the Spirit and uh, the Spirit of a holy God, and two, because uh, he comes to a new circle of influence, the church and the Bible, and then we have a different motivation. It becomes intrinsic, not external, not extrinsic. In other words, like on the Old Testament law, they had all the rules and ordinances. There's an external force, and they did not have the Holy Ghost on the inside of them. We've got the Spirit of God inside of us. It makes all the difference in the world. In fact, in Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27, the Bible prophesied about this time that you and I are living in, where we have this privilege and this, and this, this great honor to have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us, and, and he gives us that intrinsic, that internal motivation to do the things that pleases him. And this is what it says in verse 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and watch this, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. How? By the spirit that I put of me in you. It becomes an intrinsic, an inside value, an inside motivational force to help you do this. This is why New Testament says, for it is both he that causes us to will and to do of his good pleasure. And that's what the gift of the Holy Ghost, that's what the new born again uh, experience does for us. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so uh, the born again Christian has a life with a new direction, a new spirit, new lifestyle, uh, new circle of influence uh, and uh, different motivations. But the main activity of, of most people in the world uh, without Christ is to if you really think about it, it's to consume stuff. It's, it's the heap, whatever they're hungry for, whatever the lust after, whatever desire. And uh, it's, it's entertainment for one. They, they consume food, money, power, information. You can go down the list. Uh, immoral behavior. Uh, and and, and as, as carnal people, we desire to be served, to be pampered, to, to be praised, to be cared for and and catered to, and the Christian lifestyle demands the opposite. What a radical contrast. That's why, again, I'll read Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Don't do what they do. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove or do, in other words, and show what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So they'll see by your actions what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Hallelujah. And it's opposite from the world. I want to do what I want to do, not what he wants me to do. And Jesus is our example. He, he dedicated his life to not only saving us, but showing us how to be an offering, a living sacrifice for the benefit of somebody else. That's why he said, greater love has no man, that he laid down his life for his friends. Say you love people, you love the world. It shows in how well you are able to put your life on the altar of God in the service of God, in the work of God. Paul says that our own lives should be spent this way. Romans 12, that's basically what he refers to. How our lives should be spent, offered to all, a living sacrifice, a service to him and to others in the kingdom of God. There's a change in focus. 
Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen, amen. There's a joy that comes with obeying the will of God. And according to Paul, the truest form of worship is the Christian lifestyle. That Christians offer themselves to God in service. That Christians purify themselves from sinfulness. That is very pleasing to God. Public worship services, we come together, yeah, they're important. Forsake not the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but even more so you see the day approaching, the day of his coming approaching. These services that we are part of right now, it's where we have praise and worship and worship God together, together. Receive instruction for our daily living and encouragement. We provide financial support for the work and the ministry of the church. And we really making our public witness of our faith by coming to church. Hallelujah. And our born-again experience brings us to a place where we understand that we have to follow Jesus every day. Every day. This lifestyle is not something that we do only on Sunday and Wednesday, but every day of the week. And in fact, no, no scripture makes it more, more clear than uh, Colossians chapter 3. And I think I'll close tonight with this segment. Hallelujah. Um, this is one of those segments in uh, the Bible, as with Ephesians and with Galatians, and I hear Colossians, that it deals with, with the Christian lifestyle. And, and notice how he begins. Uh, in, in chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, uh, he finishes up on some do- doctrinal statements, and then he addresses some practical applications practical applications of the doctrine. And so in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, if ye then be risen with Christ, here we go again, risen Christ, our born-again experience, it's like Christ, risen from the dead. If ye then be risen with Christ, and we partake of his, 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 his uh, rising, right, uh, when we're born again, particularly receiving the Holy Ghost. So he says, which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, therefore, verse 2, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now, there's a message I'd love. I tell you, I almost preached this message Easter, but I just couldn't get it together. I just did not get it. Hallelujah. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ. I'm going to get back to that one of these days. Praise the Lord. Your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. See? When we're born again, our life is not our own. No longer my life, it's his life. He says, so if you're, if you're risen with Christ, then this is, this is how the attitude should be. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. And so then because of that, in verse 5, he lists five things, five evils that we should abstain from and we should put off. Because now we're a new man. We are a new creation. Remember, we read in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, a newly created being. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So in verse 5, he says, these five things put away. Mortify, which means kill. It's a spiritual con- a context. Mortify, therefore, your members, your body members, which are upon the earth. Fornication. That's sexual immorality. Uncleanness, more of the same, which includes also Romans 1, includes homosexuality. Inordinate affection, that is this lust, that's same thing with evil concupiscence. Wow. Hallelujah. Exclamation point. Uh, evil lusts and lustful desires and thoughts and covetousness, greed, and this insatiable desire for, for, for things, money, and possessions, which he says is idolatry. Why? Because you're putting so much emphasis on it that it possesses you. Uh, 
uh, you're dedicating your whole life to that rather than really to God. So these are five things it says mortify, therefore. And when it says kill, it simply means to put off. It's to put off. Uh, and then he says, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. I mean, those who persist in sinning. Those who persist in a sinful lifestyle are the children of disobedience, and the wrath of God comes upon them. In the which ye also walked, past tense, sometime when you lived in them. But now ye also put off all these. Hallelujah. That's in the past, but here's some more. I'm going to give you says, five more things to put aside, to put off like a dirty garment. Because you are holy. See, that's the whole point. He says, don't do this to be holy, but do it because now you are holy. Live up to your calling. Live up to your specialness as being uh, a, a child of God. But now also put off all these anger. It means really unjustified anger. Bible says, be angry and sin not. And there can't, anger can be good. And we had anger as we talked about this. We just, you know the context. Hallelujah. Anger, but when, you, when anger becomes so strong that you don't release it and, and you don't get over it, it becomes a part of your spirit and you walk around angry all the time. I've seen a lot of people like that in church and out of church. And you have to deal with that. You have to put that off. Anger. Wrath, that's it's an even stronger word than, than anger. It's this uncontrollable, passionate, volatile, destructive anger. Malice, that's evil intent of harm to somebody else. Blasphemy, it's, a, it's actually uh, slandering God. It is taking his name in vain and, and saying evil things, you know, uh, vain things. Filthy communication out of your mouth, that's, that's profanities. And, uh, and, 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 and things that we ought not to say, innuendos and all those things. Filthy communication out of your mouth. And then on the, on, the, on the hint of that, of your mouth, he adds, verse 9, lie not to one another. Seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds. Now, he elevates lying to one another from lying in the world in a sense that is really very, very hidden but it, it's, he, he says, you know, it's one thing when you lie, you lie to the world. Still a lie. But, you know, the people are always skeptical of you anyway because they don't know you. But in the, in the Christian life, you're in a church and you lie to your brother and your sister, somebody who, who, who believes you without any proof whatsoever because they know your brother so-and-so and your sister so-and-so, and you lie to them, he says, you're despicable. That's the connotation here. Don't lie to one another. And then, so he says, put off the old man, verse 10, and have put on the new man. There's some things we take off, there's some things we put on, which is renewed in knowledge. There it is, the mind again. Be renewed in your mind. After the image of him that created him. Hallelujah. Image, Jesus Christ. And then he talks about prejudices, wherefore there's neither Greek nor Jew nor circumcision, uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, free, but Christ is all in all. In other words, deal with your prejudices. There shouldn't be any prejudice and, and, and bias in the church of the living God. There should be unfettered love and acceptance and mercy given to all. Not just indeed, but from a pure heart. Then verse 12, here is again, put on. Everybody say put on. Put on, therefore, as the elect or the chosen of God. And the elect and chosen are elect and chosen because they responded to the call of the gospel in faith. That's what makes you a part of the chosen. It's not that God chose you by predestination. Well, oh, well, he's, he's part of the church because he's chosen. No, he's chosen because they responded to the call of God. You can be part of the chosen too. The church is chosen to go into eternity, but you choose whether or not you belong to the church of God or not. Hallelujah. And so put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, because, because you are holy and beloved, put on bowels of mercies, kindness, 
humbleness of mind, humility, all these attitudes, meekness, gentleness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, you so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness or completeness. It's love that binds together and unites all of the virtues. Love is what brings together all the virtues that we are to practice and show as newly born again creatures. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let it be the empire which says yea or nay. To the which also you are called in one body. Be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ. Oh, here it is. I'm talking about. You know what all this is? This is Christian lifestyle. The old man is the way it used to be. Fornication, uncleanness, unordered affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness. Hallelujah. Malice, wrath, anger, blasphemy, filthy communication. That's the old man. Now, we put that off. Now, here's put on the new man. That's what we've been reading about. Mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. Hallelujah. Uh, Non-prejudicial. And above all, put on cherry, love. Hallelujah. Love, which is the bond of perfection. And he says, but the peace of God rule in your hearts, etc. And now verse 16, another part of the lifestyle. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In other words, Take time out to saturate their mind with the Word of God. Listen to messages. Lord, know there are so many great Pentecostal, UPCI, apostolic, whatever, preachers online you can listen to on your smart telephone. That's unreal. And I'm not saying do 24 hours a day, but whenever you can. I know some, some men here have recently started doing that, and it radically changed their life. And their behavior. And you're seeing it. And you will see more of that. Let the word of of Christ dwell in you richly. Not sparingly. Richly. That means, hallelujah, you can't have too much. And all wisdom in teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do. In word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by many things. Whatever you do as a Christian, your Christian lifestyle should glorify Him. That's our motivation. That is our goal. Stand with me if you will. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hand to the Lord and praise Him. Oh, hallelujah. Christian lifestyle. I'm so glad He called me out. I'm so glad I'm one of the chosen. I'm so glad I said yes to him when he said, come on and follow after me. I'll tell you, my life changed for the better. I have never had so much fun in my life until I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There was a time when I began to, you know, back in those days, you know, when television, in fact, was a very, very big deal. And I think I mentioned that in our Bible study. Hallelujah. Uh, You know, back then, I had a big 25-inch color TV when I became a Christian. You know. That was a big deal back in the 70s. Oh, my goodness. And my pastor preached against it. You know, I said, man, if I'm going to be in a church, I'm going to have to get rid of that TV. Because that, that was the teaching. And, then, you know, we understood. Anyway, without going into any greater detail, but that was the deal. And you know what? I did. Hallelujah. Now it isn't even an issue anymore. You know? I got a TV in my pocket. It comes down to choice, folks. Choice. But back, but back then, you know, God was calling me, and there were certain, certain marks in lifestyle. And I said, you know what? I want that because it has, it has not basically just about the TV. It's about my life given to Christ. This, who am I going to serve? Am I going to serve myself? and just dedicate my life to consuming entertainment without restraint. And I'm going to give my focus to Him. And I did step by step. And there were more than that. I got rid of my beer bottles. I got rid of my Johnny Walker red labels. 
I got rid of my cigarettes. I got rid of my cussing and my fussing. Hallelujah. Praise God. God changed me step by step. I'm so glad that's the old man. I started thinking about some of this. My goodness, it dawned on me. I said, I, I used to cuss. And honestly, I couldn't remember the one time that I did not cuss. But God cleanses you and washes you from all that. It, he makes you so to that as if it never happened. Only God can do that. And our Christian lifestyle is worth it. It's worth it. It's the best. It's the best. Hallelujah. He only wants the best for us. Oh, the love of Kosher. Would you lift your hand and worship the Lord? Come on, praise team. Show the love of the Lord.